0: Hi, and welcome to our fourth Universalist service video. My name is Amber Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and thank you so much for joining us. What follows are selections from our service on January 9th, 2022. In this video, you'll hear the reading and the reflection, and following that, we hope you'll join us for a discussion where we go deeper into the service themes together. You're invited to check out our video and audio podcast each week. We post on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you do like what you see, we hope you can give us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the sharing, subscribing, this really all helps spread forth Universalist media further. Finally, we do acknowledge that when we are in our physical location, we are located on the lands of the Muse Lenape peoples. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of working to dismantle the ongoing legacies of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work as we embrace the ATU principle. Thank you so much for joining us today we begin with our reading.
1: Our reading this morning is an excerpt from Peace Education by Ian Harris and Mary Lee Morrison. Peace education represents a celebration of life rather than a support for the death bearing values implied in violent militaristic cultures. Peace education confronts the horrors of these images and presents a vision of a different nonviolent world. Peace education does not so much tell people what to think about the future, but rather how to think about the future. Peace educators help students to vision and then to plan for the future. They can point out to students the already existing, peace-loving aspects of human civilization and emphasize the dreams of those trying to create a better future. This type of education does not build upon one vision for the future, but rather attempts to create a multiplicity of visions to restore utopian thinking and to encourage imagination. In peace education classes, students examine how to take control of their own lives to work for a more humanistic society based on social justice and human rights with equality for all. They asked the question, what kind of world do we really want and what will it take to get there? Thank you, Liz.
2: <clears throat> Long before I became a minister, I became a teacher. My teaching career unofficially began in Guatemala, where I worked as a volunteer during their civil war in 1992. I wasn't there as a teacher. I was there to volunteer having given up my spot in the Peace Corps in Zaire a year prior. But I consider my time in Guatemala as the start of my career in education because it was during that time when I realized just how unjust the world is. And I felt called to change things. I had more than an inkling about this, of course, thanks to friends in high school, courses in college, and the campus activism I was involved in in the 80s. But being in Guatemala and experiencing on my very first day a procession of protesting indigenous women carrying signs asking, Where are our husbands? Where are our fathers? my eyes were thrust open. I learned right then about the desaparecidos and my education continued. Whenever I was, I don't know, checked boarding or debarking a bus by a teenager with a machine gun, or when I'd see gunfire in the hills at night, or when I'd see missionaries working to save souls but not improve living conditions. During my time there, I had many conversations that opened my mind and my heart, and when I returned home, I did a deep dive into Guatemalan history to try to understand the roots of their situation. Many years later, I would learn that uncovering root causes are central to the practice of peace education and the act of peace building. Now, as many of you may already know, I discovered it was United States policies and practices in Guatemala and throughout Latin America that were directly responsible for the devastation that Guatemala and other nations experienced. Neo-imperialism, greed, and violence had led to destruction, death, and long-term destabilization. And of course, this was a pattern The United States government was quite good at wreaking havoc in other places than abdicating any responsibility to help in the aftermath. But here's the funny, and not like, ha ha, funny, the milk smells funny thing I uncovered. So much of the United States and other imperialist mindset nations intervention in the world is done in the name of creating peace and all these years later with a phd in peace education i have to wonder how the heck are they defining peace now peace is one of those words that trips people up it's often viewed as too lofty or fluffy or utopian and impossible or it becomes a relative concept that falls into that unclear trap of whose peace? Conflict, violence, and justice are also terms that folks struggle with. Many of us have diverging definitions of these big ideas, peace and conflict and violence, which leads to confusion, more conflict, and oftentimes great acts of violence. World history is riddled with wars and oppressive systems and structures meant to, in the eye of the power holder, create peace and stability, but probably more accurately, just used to enforce silence and submission. But that is not true peace. In Peace Education, we provide and model a method of critically and systematically looking at issues to unpack assumptions, to identify root causes, and then creatively enter into dialogue towards transformation and repair. And to do this, we have to start with some real definitions. So in Peace Education, we utilize a rather encompassing definition of violence, One that feels connected to our first UU principle because it looks at harm in relation to dignity. Violence, in my work, as defined by the Swedish peace researcher Johan Galtung, is anything that insults the dignity of another being. And thus, it is not limited to just physical violence. Most people conceive of violence as direct violence, the the direct harm by an actor or actors, also known as personal violence. But most direct violence occurs due to the feelings of marginalization and despair and repression and desperation created by our structurally violent world so it is important that we acknowledge the presence of structural violence which thankfully has fully entered the mainstream discussion through the terms of either structural violence i mean structural racism systemic oppression and white supremacy which makes it clear that violence is embedded into the structures and institutions of society and not by accident Structural violence is perpetuated by cultural violence, ways of thinking, being, and educating that maintain these hierarchical and oppressive systems. Organized religion and schools are just two vehicles of cultural violence. And I hope you can see that all of these forms of violence are interconnected so they must all be considered when we want to work for peace and justice. I also want to mention that when Galtung was coming up with his terms, a parallel model of conceptualizing violence was being brought together in this country by Dr. Martin Luther King and what he called them the giant triplets of racism, materialism, and militarism. Once again, these three are all structural forces that propagate violence. But in both these cases, we have to see that these violence triplets need to be seen before we can have lasting and true peace. So while it's not a cheery thought, peace educators like myself tend to start everything we do with an assumption of violence in some form, conflict and harm, are always present but it's how we look at conflict oppression and harm that makes it possible for us to not just create an illusion of peace or a temporary band-aid mollifying version of peace but rather true peace but what is this true peace peace research uses the terms negative peace and positive peace. Negative peace is taking away of the directly bad violence, thus the removal of all the direct or personal violence. So, yeah, ending wars and interpersonal violence in all its form is a good thing, but that's only a start. Actually, I'm gonna grab my mug, oddly enough, happens to have the word peace on it, Hmm. I wonder if I planned that, and use this as an example. So imagine that this cup is filled with all this violence and harm, right? We have to empty all that harm out, and now we have what's called negative peace, the absence of these structural forms. But to get to true peace, to create positive peace, We also have to not just remove all the things that insult or harm one's dignity, we actually have to get rid of all the violence, the oppression, the poverty, the alienation, the injustice. So let's put it this way, we take out all the bad things, is negative peace, and we refill the cup with all the opposites or the antidotes of the structural violence. So it's justice and human rights and environmental responsibility. Now, this is no small task, right? And we as people of faith, especially this faith, which claims to be inclusive, justice-seeking, and committed to peace and world community, we have to be part of that solution. But we need tools. And that's where peace education can help. Today, I'm sure many of you, like myself, we are just overwhelmed with examples of both direct and structural violence, but not everyone sees them as such. Have you tried having a conversation about racism and the historical roots of the United States with anyone lately? Folks are just unable to see the forest for the trees. The same is true when you try to talk about violence against women, crushing dent, rampant poverty, and climate change. So many folks can't see issues as systemic and interconnected. And they certainly then have trouble seeing root causes. And that's where we begin in peace education. So take for example, local violence. Direct violence in struggling communities, right? It's what gets plastered on the news all the time. Outsiders then see these images and like to lay blame on some inherent flaws of the people and their place in the world. But with a peace education lens, we can see that the root cause of this neighbor to neighbor or direct violence is poverty and instability which are manifestations of structural violence. People act out violently, even against their neighbors, if and when they have limited opportunity, limited resources, and are actively subjugated by society because of their skin color or country of origin. It's really not hard to see the connection once you take a look. So in peace education, when we want to understand a conflict or issue, we start with assumptions. What do we think we know? What do we see on the surface? What is the media telling us? What is being left out? How are our feelings involved in the issue? By naming and unpacking assumptions, we can see our blind spots. And then we can also see what's in the room. I do this a lot when I teach. We name the assumptions, maybe write them on a board, and then we can kind of realize, well, there's a lot of takes on this issue, all sitting in this one room. We see that everyone's perceptions come from a variety of perspectives. But by airing and seeing these perspectives, we can actually hear one another and hopefully begin to see the complexity of an issue. Then we begin to dig to get to the roots of the issue. As I mentioned earlier just now, the root cause of urban violence is not people are amoral and don't care about their neighbors. That's just someone's perspective, looking in from the outside or trying to fill a 24-hour news cycle. But root causes go deeper. They are poverty underfunded schools based on racist, redlining policies, and historical and systemic racism, to name only a few. By using a system lens, coupled with a critical and historical analysis, it's easy to see that conflicts and problems usually run a lot deeper than they seem. So simply peace education is this practice. It's not just saying, let's be kind and get along. No, it is looking at things deeply, critically, and then connecting the dots. We can use this for something as big as questioning why our government seems to do nothing to address climate change, or something smaller like a conflict in a congregation. By looking for root causes, your whole perspective on how things work or don't work will shift. And then it gets better because when we begin to see problems through this interconnected lens, we have so much more to work with when it comes to generating ideas to transform or change things. Now, peace education is futures-oriented, meaning that even though we examine the past to understand a situation, and the present obviously we develop solutions that help to create the future we wish to see now i like to use the three core values of peace education to frame all my work whether it's teaching or ministry my mentor dr betty Reardon, who is one of the founders of peace education put these values into the world in the 1980s and they are humane relationship global citizenship, and planetary stewardship. As UUs, these values are entirely consistent with our principles. Actually, I often think that I probably became a UU because through our principles, I saw the beautiful connections to peace education. But how can we, how can we embody these values? Humane relationship is calling us to treat one another with dignity to value one another's inherent worth, to recognize human rights as universal, and to work to ensure that all people, and I would say all living things, feel seen and heard and valued and protected. Global citizenship is the reminder that none of us is isolated or superior, that we are all citizens of Earth, or better yet, citizens of the cosmos. And as such, we have a responsibility to all our earthly relations, not just people we know or people who talk or think or look like us. As we enter into an age where climate change is about to impact people unevenly, we have to make choices that put the needs of others, even if they are on the other side of the world, into conversation with our actions which brings me to planetary stewardship we have one planet one interconnected web of all life of which we are a part and thus we must care for it much like the giant sorry much like the violence triplets are interconnected so too are the core values What would it be like to live your life, to teach our children, to run our congregations, to do our jobs with these core values and these peace ideas front and center in our minds and hearts and bodies? I invite us all to try. Many years ago, Gandhi said we must be the change we wish to see in the world. I believe that traveling through the world with a peace education perspective can allow us to do just that. We can live the world we want to see into creation. And we did this at 4th U about 10 years ago. I wanna close my sermon with a video. About actually it was 11 years ago I was working with the children of 4th U and I was volunteering in RE and we created a video about creating a peace system and what it would take and I know you you kids are special because they get it on a different level but they I, I want to share the video with you now and I think um many of the kids I know that almost all the kids in this video are either young adults or about to leave high school so I wonder if they're still thinking about these ideas, so I'm going to share the video with you. May we raise our awareness of violence and the harm it causes in all its forms. May we critically examine our world and our own choices to better understand the roots of harm. May we be agents of change the world so desperately needs. May it be so.
0: It's so great to once again, sit down with the Reverend Dr. Leonisa, one of our affiliate ministers who is covering for Reverend Schuyler uh, during his family leave. And Reverend Leonisa, I love this message. One, uh, I, well, I love that we got two weeks of peace talk in a row. Like, what what are the chances? Exactly. It wasn't even planned.
2: Right. <laughs> I know, me too. I thought, huh, we didn't even talk about this. I guess we both, we're we all feeling it. So that's good. <clears throat> you
0: know, it's Great minds think alike. If all of these people in our community are thinking about peace, they're thinking about uh, yeah, imperialism, they're thinking about war, they're thinking, you know, we're, we're thinking about the big topics. It's it's what we do in January, you know.
2: Yeah, clearly the big idea month, you know, and then uh, you got to get fired up for the rest of the year. So,
0: right. right, right. <laughs> uh, so, I'm I'm curious though, what you know, what inspired it? Because you know, you we had we had been talking beforehand. You had had your like list of themes. This this was decided before last week. It's not like you heard last week's and were
2: oh, that's a good inspiration for next
0: week. You know, yeah. what what inspired you to talk about this this week?
2: So I, you know, um, so I'm a peace educator, you know, for for whatever that's worth. But no, I and uh, I so I tend to always have peace education in mind when I'm preaching, obviously teaching. And actually, a few months ago, I was asked to give a sermon um, somewhere else in New York state. And I decided to do something on peace education because for the longest time I wanted to do an explicit peace education sermon and service that tied in to UU principles, but hadn't ever done it. I don't for some unknown reason. Um, Pardon me. Um, So I did it at this other congregation and I thought, oh, I really like that. You know, and so as I do, I reworked it a little. And then when I was planning or thinking about our uh, three months here, I thought, you know, I like the idea of starting the year off. With something that gives us some core values, some new ideas, new way maybe for many people of thinking about this idea of peace and justice and violence. Um, (coughs) I'm sorry, residual, residual of the last week here. And so I... That was that was basically it. I thought I want to start the year off, and then I also thought it was a way for people to know where I'm coming from. Like, a, num- a lot of folks have known me at uh, Fourth U, and then people under got some of my peace background in the Sacred Earth course. But I really wanted to um, just make it clear that you know what what peace education was, what it means to me, how we think about it, how it has actually a spiritual component, how it fits nicely with Unitarian Universalism. Yeah, and then the very funny serendipity of last week's uh, service on um, peace as well. I felt like was a really good primer, like a a vision of peace, an idea of peace, and then it kind of worked that I wrote the way I did because it takes us a little deeper, um, and 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 takes us into an active educational model of how we create peace right like we can't just say i would just like it to be more peaceful right like we actually have to do the things to make it happen right yeah
0: you know it seems that the universe wanted me to hear about peace because you know last sunday was my my first sunday off in a while actually and and i was like oh man i'm missing a really great message but so i just get peace two weeks in a row i think that's you know that's what it was clearly the universe conspiring on my behalf
2: your behalf clearly (laughs)
0: Uh, so you talk about being a peace educator and so obviously you, you have um, your experience and your training around that. What are some resources that are really useful in thinking about this sort of thing about like this negative peace, positive piece?
2: So there are amazing writings and amazing organizations doing, doing things. I, I, you know, so I was, as I mentioned in the sermon, lucky enough to be one of the disciples, as it were, of Dr. Betty Reardon, who is the known as the mother of peace education or one of the founders of peace education, um, and there's you know a handful of us and we're all around the world more than a handful maybe and then you know um so i always invite people to look up betty's writings um she's published i don't even know how many books and articles and um journal pieces and so if i think her writings especially her first book called comprehensive peace education i think it was published in 1988 um People can ask me for a copy or how to find it. I'm, I'll happily share aspects of it. Um, there are the other reading we had today. Another person, Ian Harris, writes wonderful stuff about peace education. Um, my colleague at Vassar, Maria Hanzopoulos, and another colleague in California, Manisha Bajaj, write wonderful things about peace education and human rights education. And of course, I write about it, right? So I wrote a book about it. I actually have some articles on it. Um, But I also would encourage folks to look up the Global Campaign for Peace Education and get on their mailing list. My colleague Tony runs that organization and they have wonderful mailing lists with things that are happening all around the world in terms of peace education. Workshops you can attend, articles to read, other groups to chat with. Um, uh, And then they, every year, and this is a fun one, and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it this year and I haven't done it in a long time, but every summer we gather and it's called the International Institute for Peace Education and this year it will be in Mexico and so if you, but if you get hooked into um, the global cl- campaign for peace education, I, I highly recommend that if this is something that's intriguing and I also want to put it out there that send me an email and if there's a group of folks who want to have a deeper conversation about peace education at Fourth U, I I will obviously rather gleefully have a um, evening session or whatever we want to do it and talk about it because the other thing I'm working on up where I live is I recently filed my paperwork for a nonprofit called the Peace Education Center of the Hudson Valley because I feel so strongly that these conversations and us, us folks who do peace ed who are just you know spread out and trying to do our part like I just I'm feeling like the time is right and right now for more of us to be thinking about this idea of peace education. And I want to offer workshops to teachers, to parents, you know, like for myself personally, like I'm feeling deeply called to spread, um, spread the gospel of peace education. So...
0: And, and I, endor- as the DRE, I, I endorse uh, if if people want to get get together in our community, if, if people are feeling called towards this work, we will make it happen. Okay, so, that'd be know, great. That was- Just <laughs> if you and
2: I could like ho- host some dialogues on it, it'd be fantastic. Yeah.
0: Uh, but I mean, so as the religious educator at the church, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I heard the idea of peace education, it it got my it got my educator senses tingling. Uh, <laughs> um, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like Spider Man.
2: Yes, I was Spider-Man. gonna make a Spidey sense joke, but I chose not to, and so thank you.
0: Well, you might say that there's no way home.
2: Um, oh boy. Uh, no, I'm really.
0: <laughs> but I'm curious, you know what? What exactly, to you, and maybe if there is like also maybe a bit of a community definition, what exactly does it mean to be a peace educator?
2: That's great. That's a great question. So. Um, So, educating a peace educator is someone who educates about and for peace, right? So, in the sermon today, we talked about, you know, these different notions and definitional aspects of it, negative peace and positive peace. There's also, we talk about, um, peace building, peacemaking, well, in order, peace, Keep peacemaking, peacekeeping, peace building, right? That's all part of being a peace educator. There, it's also about the conditions necessary for peace. There's also a, a peace educator, is someone who is not afraid to look at, um, as we talked about, root causes and say, okay, if it's violent, if it's if it's causing harm or insulting dignity, then that's violent. We name it as such, and then as peace educators, we get to the root cause of it, and then we work on how to transform that. And so the peace edu- educating for is also in how we peace, like you can't how we teach. Sorry, you can't like just say be more peaceful or be nice to each other, right? Because, you know, it's completely non-contextual and then it's and it's non-transformational. So peace education is very much about the pedagogy we use, which allows learners to look at assumptions, to see root causes, to look at things from multiple points of view. Right. Like what I often call and I think I might have said this a couple of weeks ago or something is the fly eye perspective. Right. We can't just look at it from our positionality. We got to look at it from all these different ways of being and knowing and then say, oh, so that problem is probably far more complex, right? So it's not about indoctrination. And and as an educator for 30 years, like most of education is really about indoctrinating. Here, here's this thing, read this thing, spit back the thing, and now I've educated you. Re- peace education is like, eh, nope, not that's not how it works, right? It's more like we look at issues, concerns, ideas, pro- problems, and we analyze them we look at assumptions we look at causes and then we look at how do we transform it is it a personal thing we have to change is it communal is it interrelational? is it societal right and then what are the steps we take to change those things but ultimately a lot of it um has to start here right we have to see the world differently we have to connect the dots so in peace education we are very keen on connecting those dots so that we don't just see things, you know, one way. It's like the, you know, the rest of the story. We have to get the rest of the story and we have to, um, and invite learners into deep sharings and questioning, questioning the status quo, questioning what they've been taught, questioning what we think. And that's why it can happen at any age. You could do it with four year olds and you do it with 45 year olds or 90 year olds, right? Like we all have something to learn, right? We can all always shift our perspective
0: when I loved, um, I, I mean, I feel like i probably, at some point in seminary, i probably heard negative, positive peace. Uh, but this felt like, it felt new to me when I was hearing it uh, for, for this message. And it reminded me of back during like the, the Ferguson uprisings with uh, Michael Brown. Um, and uh, when I was posting things on Facebook and people would be like, oh, you know, but they're rioting. Um, and uh, I would always, uh, I would pa- passive aggressive Bible posting. Uh, <laughs> my it's my evangelical background coming through. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but I would I would often return with uh, so from the from the Hebrew scriptures. Um, uh, Jeremiah six fourteen is uh, they have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying peace peace when there is no peace. And that one really always resonated with me. That everybody, especially uh, around like issues like racism, but I mean I think we also see it now. With like the way that uh, people with disabilities or people with pre-existing conditions are being treated during COVID, um, mm-hmm. especially during this latest wave, that that people are just they, they just want to they want calm they want uh, neat and orderly they want um, their life not interrupted that that's what peace is but peace is so much more than that like how do we how do we move towards this bigger picture of peace yeah. Uh an easy small question yeah you know i got the
2: answer that's it let's move on i got this no okay. yeah it's a it's a gigantic it's an excellent question and it's true and it's like so much of you know people are afraid of conflict or they don't want to get into it and so they say because we just wanted to be peaceful and i'm like yeah we can look at the roman empire and say yeah they thought they were creating peace because they were just subjugating everyone and using fear as a tactic that's actually not true peace right yeah if you you are <clears throat> an illness away from losing your home or you are you know followed in stores because the color of your skin if you can't get a job right because of you know if co you know and covid showed all that right so all of that stuff of saying we should just get along does not actually create peace all it does is this just sort of puts like maybe a wet blanket on a fire for a little while but those that's where i the root causes peace again has to be addressed and i mean i think that's where we as religious people uh, or any of us who are educators um to sit idly by when we watch systemic oppression, systemic injustice, systemic violence, right? It's all violent. The entire system is violent. The fact that one senator is holding up uh, a, a passage of, of, of you know funding and a bill that can actually help countless people, and it's not even like enough help, right? It's the beginning of something, right? that is a violent act right those acts need to be taught for what they are talked about for what they are and called to account right and i know i work with a lot of you know emerging adults and they have very little faith in the political system and i can't blame them at all but what i say to them too is then you know you know there's a huge rise in grassroots organizing there's all this stuff happening on the ground which is really important and i actually see it working its way up and i have for a number of years now like same time when i was in seminary and prior to that and and my work has always been with youth activists and youth who are change makers so i definitely know that that is um it's it's a part of it's making the choice to say I no longer can abide this violent system. And I can make personal choices, I can make phone calls, I can vote people out, I can run for office, I can do, you know, I can start an organization, I can collaborate, I can teach differently, I can preach differently. I mean, the power of the pulpit is wonderful, you know, for, for that. Unfortunately, religion is a tool of cultural violence. So a lot of times, It doesn't do anything to fix the situation. It actually exacerbates it. So there's a lot of um, upheaval that is necessary. And it's going to mean conflict and not violent armed conflict, right, because we know that doesn't always get us anywhere. It might mean conflict of saying, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying. We don't see eye to eye. How do we get to a place though where we could talk about this issue? And that's where I'm a firm believer in if we get to root causes, we can talk about the issue. Because like you were talking about, like, upright, you know, um, riots, completely justified riots, (laughs) but other people see them as that is violent, but they can't see the murder of a black man as the violence that is the root cause of that violence. So if we can get to a place with people we don't maybe see eye to eye with, or, or, or close enough, or however, we get to those conversations of root causes, that's where we can move forward right like what is the root of this right poverty is violence right there is roots to poverty too capitalism is the root cause of that we have to re-examine it and have a conversation about that you know people getting sick and not being able to have care there's a root cause to that it's a system that says you know healthcare is attached to a job oh wait i guess the root cause is capitalism again huh we might have to examine that right you know so yeah yeah does that make sense yeah
0: it, it does, and I'm, you know, going to use it as a chance to pitch one of my uh, long-term education ideas. Mm-hmm. Whether it happens this spring or in the future, I'm hoping to maybe do a course about uh, religion and socialism. Um, that one is on my on my wish list. I got to see if I think I can have it ready for this year. Oh, uh, you not, have I'm Hoping to. for next year.
2: Okay, oh, I love it. I love it.
0: So, see, look at you, you listen to these messages and you get to find out all these ideas for things we can be doing. So
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I really think fundamentally it's a choice of saying, this doesn't work. if even if it works for me, it certainly doesn't work for everybody, and that's a problem. that's that's the core problematic, and we have to change it. And I, as an ethical, moral, spiritual being, I am going to be part of making that change, right? And and it's and it's about disruption, and it's about education, and and I think it's all good things.
0: Certainly, Anisa, it's it's so great to get to sit down with you. I, uh, you know, I know I said it on the twenty sixth, but I I'm excited for all of these sit downs during during the course of this three month period. Likewise, yay! Thanks, <laughs> and thanks, of course, to all of our listeners.